This is Vanderbilt Business, a podcast about the students, faculty, and staff at Vanderbilt's Owen Graduate School of Management. Through our stories, we hope to give listeners a better picture of the people who shape our community here in Nashville and the world around us. Healthcare, particularly the fate of the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, has dominated the political conversation for several months now. At Owen, healthcare is a way of life. 24% of the 2016 graduating MBA class took a position in the industry, prompting poets and quants to feature the program in an article titled, Where the Healthcare Industry Gets Its MBAs. The Masters of Management in Healthcare program attracts dozens of healthcare professionals to Vanderbilt each year, and entrepreneurs have teamed up with engineers and healthcare professionals to start numerous businesses in Nashville and throughout the U.S. With repeal and replace legislation up for consideration in the Senate, I sat down with Larry Van Horn to discuss the healthcare industry at large, the Center for Healthcare Market Innovation at Vanderbilt, and the opportunities for MBAs in this evolving industry. Larry is an Associate Professor of Management, Law, and Health Policy at Vanderbilt, and the Executive Director of Health Affairs at Owen. He's also Co-Director of the Nashville Healthcare Council. He's been honored by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services as a Ruth L. Kirchstein National Research Service Award Fellow and presented at numerous leading seminars and conferences. Through his research, consulting, and teaching, he has cemented his status as a leading expert and researcher on healthcare management and economics. I'm here today with Larry Van Horn. Larry, thanks for joining me. Glad to be here. Do you think the fate of healthcare in the U.S. hangs in the balance? It doesn't at all. In fact, it's, it's unfortunate that what's going on in Washington is taking up so much attention in the conversation about what needs to happen in healthcare. I think the appropriate way to think about this is that the policy initiatives going uh, that are being discussed in Washington really uh, affect Medicare, Medicaid, largely Medicaid, and public exchanges. There's 72 million people in Medicaid, about 50 million in Medicare, and another 12 million in the public exchanges. Um, all government programs, uh, and at the same time, there's 180 million Americans who have com- commercial insurance through their employers. The changes that are going on there in the long run are going to be much more impactful than the government-initiated uh, changes that they're trying to execute through policy. In large part because what the government's trying to do, the levers are trying to, to move through concepts such as value-based care, population health, accountable care organizations, nobody who's spending their own money would choose to buy. And so I am not particularly sanguine about the long-run staying power of any of these initiatives in terms of shaping what the world of healthcare looks like in the United States when the dust settles. And what I see happening in the private sector, the innovation and new delivery models, the use of technology, alternative sites of care, the different ways that people are paying for medical care, is driving tremendous amounts of change and that is the most exciting thing to me by empowering the consumer. So talk about that a little bit. Uh, what are some examples of, of people in the private sector making an impact already? So uh, first and foremost, if you have a job in the United States, most people get employer-sponsored health insurance. And if you ask most people uh, who pays for your health insurance, they say, my employer. Well, that's actually the wrong answer. You pay through, for it through reduced wages. Your employer doesn't care whether they pay you in cash, health benefits, or chickens. It's just the total cost of getting you to come to work. And what employers are increasingly doing is they're changing the nature of that health insurance coverage to one that's coupled with a high deductible, where people face 
5000 7000 or even $9,000 deductibles where you have to pay the first five, seven, or $9,000 before your health insurance kicks in. Well, what and today, and that's been increasing since 2006. In 2006, only 4% of the U.S. population were in a high deductible plan. Today, it's closer to 30%. Wow. What you've now got in healthcare is a, as a consumer who's paying with their own money. We didn't have a consumer prior to 2006. The customer for healthcare providers were third-party payers, insurance companies, and the government. But now we've got us as individuals who are using our own money to buy medical care. That has created, one, a lot of pressure on the existing delivery system, but it's also created a consumer base that all kinds of new delivery models can come forward and serve. And, and the existing legacy model of healthcare organizations and, uh, and providers has been very oriented towards thinking about the insurer as the customer, not you and I spending our own money as the customer. Sure. We don't... As a, the result of that is that we don't have a great understanding about the decision-making process, the values they uh, consumers, individual Americans place on various things, the trade-offs they're willing to make, how they define quality, or the importance of access, all those things, and the market segments that uh, are part of that. We don't, healthcare traditional healthcare industry doesn't appropriately understand. What you see now, every day, is new companies coming to the healthcare marketplace who are from a consumer-facing industry segment. Google's doing stuff in healthcare now. Everybody's coming up, and they are really good at understanding consumer preferences, and what do people want to buy, and what price point, what trade-offs, and they're crafting services that people want to spend their own money on. And so today, if I'm in San Francisco, I can go to heal.com, and I can pay $99, and I can have a physician show up at my home or office within two hours. Wow. Okay. If I uh, I can go and to Teladoc, and for forty seven dollars I can have a physician office physician telephone consult within eight minutes. I can go to retail medicine. I can you know I can go to urgent care clinics, all who make their prices transparent up front, and are solving my problem in terms of access. That's something that consumers really understand. They value. They're all about immediate gratification. I mean, look at everybody uses Amazon Prime. They want it now particularly the younger generation that's grown up on cell phones. And so you've got all these new models coming to the table to serve the needs of a cash-paying customer. And this is a huge challenge to the historical bricks and mortar of the U.S. healthcare industry, which thinks about big clinics and you book a physician office visit two weeks in advance and you have 15 to 20 minutes of pre-registration to get through to go in there and see. That process doesn't work for anybody. When they're spending their, nobody wants to buy it when they're spending their own money. And so I am really excited and more enthused than I've been in 20 years around the prospects for what healthcare will look like 10 years from now. But it's not driven by Washington. It's driven by the market response to the existence of a consumer. So if, if I'm an entrepreneur and I want to go into this market and I want to take advantage of these changes that you're talking about, is there, any, is there any avenue you might point me towards if I ask for your advice? Is there any low-hanging fruit? Any oh, sure. area of the country you might want to look at? Well, I, don't, I don't know that it's the area of the country in so much as it's more, um, first, understand what are the needs, preferences, and desires of consumers with respect to health care. And then create models that are completely focused on serving those. So much of the legacy healthcare industry 
has been focused on serving the needs of insurers over the needs of individual people. And, and when, they're pay, when people are paying their own money, they're going to make very different decisions. You know, I, I, you know, I was doing a panel this morning for the National Business Journal, and we were talking. And when I was a kid in 1970, you paid to go to a physician out of pocket. There wasn't insurance coverage for it. Hmm. That's simple. And that's not that long ago. In fact, in 1970, roughly 40% of the nation's healthcare expenditures were paid out of an, indiv out of an individual's wallet. Today, it's closer to 10 or 11%. Um, that changed the dynamics around healthcare consumption and pricing massively. So, what we see now with the evolution in the employer posture to return to high deductible plans is really returning back to the way things were in 1970, where we're going to be spending a lot more out of pocket. But when we do that, the prices are going to adjust. Providers negotiate as high a price as they can when they're negotiating with United Healthcare or Blue Cross Blue Shield or Aetna or Cigna because there are these insurers who have big pockets of money and let's, let's go for a high price. But the median U.S. household income is $55,000 a year. And if a provider is sitting across the table from a patient, are they going to really try to negotiate for a 15-minute visit and say, you owe me $200? You can't adopt that posture. And... And so much of what's been built up in the U.S. healthcare industry is non-value added for you and I as consumers. Think about a typical internal medicine physician in the United States makes $200,000 a year. That means he's a $100 an hour guy. That means I should be able to buy 15 minutes of his time for $25. That's a cash transaction. That's how simple we can get this. That's where we were in 1970. And the market pressures are taking us back that direction. So anything that an entrepreneur might do that is going to give me access to medical care that I think I need at a price point and in a setting that I value are going to be differentially rewarded on a go forward. Interesting. The Center for Healthcare Market Innovation turned one yep. last month. What have, you, what have you seen from the center so far, and where do you expect it to go in the next year? So the center, the focus of the center is to, sit, is to focus entirely on how is the evolving world of a cash-paying consumer going to change healthcare? What do they value? What trade-offs do they make? How do they purchase differently? How do you craft services that meet their needs? And what we've done is we've partnered with various um, healthcare or, uh, kind of organizations who are the forefront of leading that change. Companies like MD Save, Healthcare Blue Book, um, who have unique data and, pers uh, and, and information that we can analyze to develop insights and truths about what does a cash paying customer want to buy. And so that's what we've been doing. And uh, we're actually hosting a big conference. We're co-producing uh, the Health Further Conference in Nashville from August 22nd to August 25th. Uh, day one of that conference is a day that is oriented to completely around the center's vision on the importance of consumerism in healthcare. And we partnered with Jeff Arnold, who founded WebMD and is the CEO of ShareCare. And we have Dr. Oz, Sanjay Gupta there. We've got, a, we've got a pretty impressive lineup. And 
we're and we're bringing in corporations and speakers not from healthcare, but from other industries that are really good at serving consumer needs, with the eye and the goal to being what are the what can we learn from healthcare around best in class organizations in either transparency, think about Expedia, to or or Forbes, to service the Marriott for example, and what lessons have made them great that we as serving a paying, cash-paying consumer in healthcare need to embrace. And so that's kind of what we've been doing. Um, and, and as we go forward over the next year, we're going to expand the set of, of, of activities and relationships with, corp- with companies that are on the forefront of leading the charge to a consumer-facing delivery model and analyzing data that can generate truths or, that are generalizable to companies wanting to go down that path. Excellent. You're talking about a lot of changes. Is the career trajectory for a healthcare MBA going to change as, as a result of the of the larger shifts that you're seeing? Oh, it certainly will. And I think there will be tremendous options where there's disruptive disruption. There's op, there's there's opportunity. You know, we're blessed to be located in Nashville, Tennessee, which is the capital of U.S. healthcare delivery. One out of every six hospital beds in the United States is controlled out of Nashville. Most of the publicly traded hospital uh, companies are located here. We have over 300 healthcare companies in Middle Tennessee, many of them entrepreneurial small startups, um, feeding off of the legacy and the relationships we have with being one of the primary hubs for healthcare delivery. And as that healthcare delivery changes, there will be new businesses, new models that aren't either a hospital or an ambulatory surgery center or a clinic. And all those new models, for them to be successful, are going to require the skills of of MBA students. So to me, coming here and being part of, you know, the, the great educational program we were able to produce in healthcare, coupled with the, the, the disciplinary foundations that underpin an MBA curriculum, will differentially make our students better off in terms of navigating those changes. Well, Larry, thank you for taking the time out to talk with me today. I'm glad to. Thanks to Larry Van Horn for his time this week, and thank you for listening. This is Vanderbilt Business is a production of Center Building Studios in Nashville, Tennessee. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Vanderbilt University or the Vanderbilt-owned Graduate School of Management. Music is provided by Mike Foster. My name is Nate Luce.